You're listening to Making Data Simple, where we make the world of data effortless, relevant, and yes, even Welcome back to Making Data Simple. Let us know how we're doing. Please submit a review, or if you'd like to get with us directly, you can send a note to almartintalksdata at gmail.com. Tell us where we're doing well, where we're not. Hopefully it's more well, but you know, let us know how we're doing. There is no one better that embodies data like my guest today, which is Mr. Namik Hurl. He is an IBM fellow. He's CTO, data and AI, key member of my team. He, let me see what else can I say about Namik. Master inventor, member of IBM Academy and Technical Experts Council. He's got numerous patents. You know, he's really a bona fide pain in the rear end, but, uh, or we could say he's very passionate, an A-type personality. Welcome, Namik. How are you, man? Hey, thank you so much. Let me, first <laughs> my head deflate from all these accolades. But uh, yeah, well, you did. You did. You did hear the pain in the ass part, didn't you? No, I kind of. I, I like to filter those that do not fit me well. <laughs> so, big uh, fellow, the highest honor you can have in IBM. Why don't you tell the, the what? What does fellow mean? What does fellow mean to you? Uh, well, you know, for me, it's a, it's a just a you know tremendous um, tremendous. Uh, recognition uh, that I have received, but more, more than anything else, I'm really humbled by, by that one, particularly having in mind, you know, the people that actually uh, in the history of IBM have been having this, uh, this particular title, you know, we have like a five Nobel, uh, Nobel Prize winners and so on. And uh, basically, you know, you know, from my experience and, and at least experience of the, of the social circle of IBM fellows that, uh, that, I, that I know, there are kind of five pillars, right, of, of uh, becoming and, and, and maintaining the fellow uh, um, uh, title. It's a, it's a talent, it's a dedication, it's passion, it's teamwork, and uh, some things that are out of our control, if I say luck, uh, I think most people will understand what I'm talking about. Um, well, I could do all those. I could be a fellow then, right? Uh, I don't know if you are so lucky. <laughs> Are you, I thought, well, do I have the technical chops? No, I don't have the technical chops, I'm sure. That's what I rely on you for. All right, so let, let, me, let me pause then and just go ahead and describe in your own words what you do, you know, what you bring to the business, you know, what your role is. Uh, thank you. So you, you already mentioned all the, all the you know, current positions and roles that I actually have. Uh, probably the most, most relevant one is really the the chief technology officer in uh, in our division and um, you know the, the the chair of our technical team uh, but you know if I, if I try to, to to describe myself uh, no let me use this old concept of uh, you know t uh, or better pie shaped set of competencies and i believe that's useful to describe professional uh, in any field including it so uh, talking about me vertically which means the kind of extensive expertise, or at least I believe so uh, about me, uh, or, you know, how our American colleagues like to call it home run. It's a twofold, right? I mean, first is Z data and analytics, uh, especially in the context of digital transformation for 
particularly large enterprises. And number two is really talent building. And if you are talking about horizontally, then uh, which means the you know breadth of knowledge, not necessarily the depth. Uh, I'm at least aspiring to be able to have meaningful and for our clients inspiring discussion on all the subjects from our data and AI portfolio. And in that context, I'm often invited to give keynotes or on my variety of topics, present IBM point of view to business leaders, C-level executives, and so on. And that requires pretty broad, although not necessarily always deep expertise on everything. So like my best example, I guess you know that, L, I have a pretty you know, strong uh, feelings and uh, I talk a lot about open scale uh, technologies, our open scale technologies that you actually own, uh, which, which I'm not developing, but I, I do actually go there and evangelize that. Note, however, that maintaining that horizontal line of competencies is, is kind of continuous learning process because, you know, our industry changes so quickly and what you knew yesterday is not the hottest topic for tomorrow. So when you said you said Z, I may not I'm, I didn't hear you on the second one. You said Z data and analytics, and then you had what was it? Talent was number two. Yeah. I, I didn't uh, talent, get any, talent, talent. Yeah, I would say talent. Talent building. building. I got it. That's right. I mean, I actually do spend lots of time, and uh, I'm pretty kind of uh, you know satisfied and proud of myself to be honest on the amount of uh, of time and effort and energy that I'm spending in in, in, in talent building. So. Literally, I had probably, you know, more than 100 mentees and coaches in, in my career. And, you know, some of them grew into be, you know, DEs and, uh, and so on. And, uh, you know, for me personally, this is one of the most, uh, I would say, satisfying uh, and rewarding aspects of, of working in IBM. So, and then horizontally, you mentioned a data and AI industry expert. Uh, what is your... Let me see if you can answer this question. What is your overarching vision of your work? I mean, what do you look for? What's your vision? You know, for me, really, uh, it's, a, it's a digital transformation, right? And the digital transformation as a, as a basically a business model reinvention uh, of how the business is done. And you know very well, Al, that uh, uh, in our portfolio, we do have and we do own uh, absolutely most relevant business mission critical data uh, on the mainframes and non-mainframes platforms. So we have that fuel for the digital transformation, meaning data, right? And then, you know, adding the engines of digital transformation, which is uh, AI and, and cloud computing to that with, with the facts of generating completely new business models, transforming the old ones beyond recognition. I mean, for me, uh, that's something which uh, uh, interests me most. And this is the something that actually I spend most of my time because I do work a lot with the customers and I'm trying to help them and uh, uh, accompany them on that digital transformation journey. All right. So good. This is a good. So th this is a good lead into the question of all questions. Are you ready for this? Go ahead. Uh, <laughs> Hit me. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm going to. I'm going to. So uh, I, I know I, I know how to light a fire under Nomic. Uh, so uh, you, you better be ready. So I know in your role, you mentioned earlier and you talk you talk about, hey, you're on this digital transformation um, and reinvention, et cetera. In your role, you're a big advocate, influencer, and contributor to 
our, our Z product in community. But Z's old, right? Legacy technology. No, nobody would be want to want to be part of Z, right? Uh, no, that's not true. <laughs> Sorry. I was waiting for you to go crazy. I was, I was, I thought you were gonna put your hand through the phone and like, like, throw me up against the wall. I don't know. Did you mention that I actually report to you? So I mean, <laughs> yeah, but oh. you're supposed to throw me against the wall in that one. See, I set you up. I set you up. <laughs> okay, you know what? I mean, let me use one, um, one kind of a story that I that I use quite often when the people come to me. And, uh, and ask me about, you know, the relevance on Z and so on. And let me put that from a kind of internal perspective. So uh, I often, very often hear from my colleagues that, that work in traditional spaces such as Z or even just relational database in general, as well as the customers that are using these technologies. And they complain that IBM doesn't talk enough, doesn't promote enough these obviously critical technologies that also, as we all know, very significantly contribute to IBM revenue and profit. And instead of that, IBM, you know, is kind of uh, sending the messages that are completely dominated by different stuff, like cloud and cognitive and quantum, etc. And you know what? I mean, my answer to that is, when did you hear last time Google execs talk about Google search. Instead of that, you know, their messages are completely dominated by moonshot projects. You know, the, you know, most of them failed, like Glass and everything else. <laughs> Although that very Google search is probably more than ninety-five percent of their revenue and profit. But they are not going to talk about Google search. They talk about these cool, sexy things that are working on in that are kind of capturing the imagination and attention of the marketeers and so on. So marketing messages in our space must communicate innovation and vitality. So our bread and butter technology and offerings are absolutely loved and needed. They, they keep going in terms of innovation. We are adding that innovation all the time into that. And you know, you know that you and me work on those even as we speak, we just came from a Whole, talking about one of those, but but it doesn't make sense that they dominate our overall IBM marketing message. So this is why we have this feeling that you know mainframe is just not interested, and you know this is something which is dying and so on. It's absolutely well and alive. It's driving the world's economy. The most important businesses in the world are still entrusting their most relevant data to the mainframe technology. So it's all over the place, right? But we are not talking about that because you know it's a you know we have more interesting things to be you know to talk about. I don't know. I think Z is pretty sexy myself. I know you do as well. But I, I get your point. The things we're doing with Z, with data AI, um, Watson machine learning on Z, True HTAP. I want to talk to a few of those in a minute. I got to tell you, when I was asked to take on uh, Z along with AI, I kind of tell you how pleased I was. I mean, because it comes with a brand of quality, performance, high availability. It's to your point, when, when it hits the fan, <laughs> people come back to what works. It works. Mission critical systems. And it really matches my brand of, of data, client experience, leadership, all into one. And you know, look, I, I, to your point, I think you know, people forget that, what is it, the top 66 banks in the world run on, on DB2Z. 100% of global Fortune 100 in banking and financial services, 
Um, last I checked, see, I got this memorized because I do pitches on this. It's like 21 of 25 insurance companies, 90% of credit card transactions on Z. I mean, it, to your point, it runs, it runs the world Absolutely. completely. Yeah, I mean, one of the things, and again, I don't know off the top of my head the numbers, but I know that, for example, the number of requests to Z system actually dwarfs the number of requests to Google search. And everybody is thinking about, you know, well, that can't be. I mean, you know, that everybody is using Google search, right? But actually, if you see the number of requests that is generated by the Z systems like DB2 or IMS, transactional systems, it dwarfs the amount of requests that Google has per second. That's, that's, that's actually amazing, but it's true. Meaning that Google, when you say dwarfs, Google has many less Yes, it, it's not even a not even a fair comparison no. to the number of requests that the disease yeah. systems are getting. Exactly, it's order of magnitudes higher in terms of the requests per second, like IMS. And here, of course, I'm talking about overall, right? I'm talking about the entire you know banking financial sectors that are hitting these systems with the with the requests, literally you know hundreds of thousands, millions of times per second. So this is something which which also people simply you know. Don't don't take it. I mean, people just take things that work for granted, right? I mean, you hear about uh, about things that you have a problem with. <laughs> with this technology, you don't have a problem. Did you just make a case that it works too well? Is that what you said? <laughs> <laughs> I think that's what you did. Look, so seventy one percent I know of of global Fortune five hundred run on Z. So, Mister Z Zealot, why, if I'm a customer, should I consider Z today? What's the differentiators? Because there's a lot of different options. There's a lot of databases. There's a lot of different platforms. They, you know, some of them claim to be free. There's open source. Why Z? Okay, uh, and, and you are absolutely right. It is more and more difficult, you know, in this basically uh, a forest of different offerings that are typically built for very specific applications. It's hard to drive the, what is the differentiation. But if I can, if I can summarize it, it's basically top-notch security. These are not the systems that are hacked. This is top-notch security. This is top-notch availability, always available all the time. Let me give you one example. And, and you know, for, for my friends that are technicians, they will understand what this example means. In our scale-out solution on the database, relational database, so we have a DB2 that is running on a cluster of systems. In our case, this is called parallel Sysplex, these system parallel Sysplex with DB2 data sharing. We can actually upgrade release, the whole release of DB2 from 10 to 11 or from 11 to 12 and be at all the application be all the time online. Imagine, this is like you are migrating from Microsoft 7 to Microsoft 10, and you at the same time, while this migration is going, you don't have a, a zero, you don't have a zero downtime. All your application working all the time. I mean, this is actually amazing because you have to understand that the migration of such a magnitude is a migration of metadata. So you have to maintain two metadatas that is coordinating all the time. It says, damn difficult. It's technically extremely difficult. And by the way, 
Many customers do not use it. We do it anyway because we want to cover this niche of those that require absolutely highest availability and reliability. I would imagine, well, what are the many customers that don't use it? It seemed like it'd be a necessity. I mean, for 20 years, we've been talking about five nines and, and look, Z can achieve that and more. Meanwhile, like if I go to AWS, I look on there and they're talking about, hey, we can do three nines. Um, that is a ton of downtime. I can't believe people accept that in a database environment. Because I'm a data guy. So. You know what? I mean, <laughs> they just accept it. I mean, why, why you and me accept, you know, all these downtimes when we are upgrading? Not upgrading the, 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 the operating system on Windows or Mac. We are even applying a fix and we are down, right? We are applying fix on a Mac or Windows and we are down. Basically, all your applications stop. And by the way, we just, we just accept it. So, more, so lots of people that do not know what's possible accept the things that are there. And what they do, they build an application stack around that that tries to mitigate that problem. So for example, they are building the kind of stateless applications that are switching in the applications from one place to another place, trying to minimize impact and everything else. While in the Z system, your application simply can be run all the time, understanding that your stateful resource, like a data, is going to be available to you in respective of the state of the database management software. So, you right. think people just choose things that they're just they they don't know what they're missing? Is that what you're trying to say? Yes. I mean three three yeah. nines by example. That's for those listening. It's ninety nine point or yeah ninety nine point nine percent is three nines again. About for 20 years, we've been talking about five nines for critical systems. If you have three nines, you're down 45 minutes a month. Yes. A month. Not, not good. Not good at not all. Not good. I guess, you, I, mean, I, I guess you could be down at night, perhaps, if, uh, you know, with an, an expected downtime where you don't do business. But who doesn't do business 24 by 7 anymore? I just don't. I never understood it. I don't know how you can get away with three nights. And, and again, you know, depends what kind of application you are running. As you said yourself, you know, there are certainly there are applications that, you know, well, you are you are down, okay, uh, some kind of minor inconvenience, but you are then up. But there are applications that you cannot be down. Okay, there are applications that, like like in banking, you cannot be down. And guess what? This is where most of our customers are running their core business. That's why they are running on Z. That's why they want to do that. Right? So it all, it all, of course, depends on what kind of quality of service and, and service level agreements you have on your applications that are running on that particular stack. So top-notch security. Got it. Top-notch availability. Any other top-notch you'd like to tout before we move on? Reliability. Okay, let me give you another, another kind of uh, uh, you know, trivia stuff that is very interesting. I mean, would you know, I, I don't know if you know that, but many of our of people do not know that Z, Z stands for zero downtime. Okay? That's where the, num that's where the letter Z comes in the, in the name of the mainframe uh, uh, servers. And what we actually do when we, when, when we deliver this chip and this uh, hardware, everything is redundant and we take care even for some 
somebody would say ridiculous cases of bits switching under conditions of cosmic radiation. You do know that cosmic radiation can cause a bits in a system to switch. That's very rare occasion, depending where you are running, by the way, on this one. You know, if you are higher, then, then it's a higher uh, probability that can happen. But the mainframe has a hardware provisions for cosmic radiation impact. No other systems have that. Uh, at least no other commercially available systems. I have no idea about, you know, whatever military system or something like that. I don't know about that. But commercially available systems for the enterprises, nobody has something like this. Why don't they have that? Well, because this is very rare occasion. But mainframe doesn't want to take chance. That's a pretty good testament. That's called, that's called reliability. Yeah. That's called absolutely no, no compromise reliability. See, now I've tapped into that passion. I knew I could get it. I knew I could get it. Yeah. What if, but what if I'm a customer? I want to use Linux. I want to be open source, man. I, I, you know, I want to choose something like Linux. Absolutely. And this is exactly, this is, I know that you are teeing me off all the time. And thank you so much. <laughs> <laughs> and thank you so much for that. Because, because I, and by the way, folks, whoever is listening to this, we didn't prepare this at all. So although, although, although it's hard to believe, right? But we, we really didn't. Uh, back to Linux and, and open source and everything else. I mean, we have brought, of course, the, the Linux and the whole stack of open source capabilities onto Z system to run natively on Z. And why we did that? I mean, there's always a question, so why do you do that? I mean, Linux already running on, on X, running on power, running on everywhere, right? Why do you want to run it on Z? I'm coming back to this reliability and, and uh, uh, availability. Because even on Linux, you might have applications that do not want to make compromise with their reliability. So if you want the most reliable hardware to run, run Linux on Z. All right, I got some more questions for you. Put your, put your prediction hat on. If we're five years from now, we're talking on a podcast, what kind of technology innovations are we going to be talking about that don't aren't institutionalized today or weren't invented today? I mean, are we going to be talking about driverless cars all over the place? Are we going to have smarter home assistants? What do you predict? Uh, <laughs> uh, actually, honestly, I really um, no. There's science fiction, you know, which I actually really believe that uh, everything what we did so far is. Uh, Although unbelievable speed, it is still continuity. I, I, there is still continuity. So I still believe that, for example, the biggest thing that will happen in the next five to ten years are in the area of AI. So nothing, I would say, you know, like a, a quantitatively new. It's an AI, but in short, AI will be one more pervasive, and two more sophisticated. Now, from pervasiveness perspective, I think we all agree that AI is still used in very few areas. I mean, I, I mean, there's almost no activity which couldn't be improved by use of AI. I catch myself, for example, many times per day thinking even for the, 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 the most trivial things, well, this should be improved by infusing AI. 
right? And almost anything, almost anything. And, and, and if we talk about uh, IT, for example, in our job, in our job, uh, uh, our products could be enhanced big time by more infusing of AI. And from the sophistication perspective, the current AI is great, but I think, I think we also agree it is pretty kind of rudimentary, right? It is limited to specific narrow problems, you know, translation or, you know, maps or this. Using it broader within the same domain, like, for example, you know, not within a single car, but across millions of connected cars, right? And then finally using it across multiple domains, like multiple domains, you're combining kind of, you know, the health with eat, with travel, or combining education and entertainment. And these kind of multiple domain usage of AI, which is kind of getting closer to what people call general AI, right? This is what I expect we will see seeing more and more. All right. Very good. Where can people find out more about you? Is it just LinkedIn's the best spot or is there any other location? Do you have a blog site or anything that you'd like to refer them to or is it LinkedIn? <laughs> it is LinkedIn that I actually externally use more. Uh, but on the other hand, you know, in this aspect, uh, although very young, I'm actually pretty old fashioned. Uh, <laughs> I, I, like, I, like, of course. I like I like kind of direct contact, right? Rather than kind of impersonal communication, which, by the way, I'm not uh, advocating that. I do believe that there's a tremendous value in the, you know, uh, digital means of, uh, of achieving social eminence, absolutely. Uh, and, of course, at some point, you know, this uh, direct content doesn't scale anymore. Uh, but, you know, uh, mail is something that people can actually uh, communicate with me. I mean, the LinkedIn is the one that can actually get that. Uh, and uh, I can guarantee that uh, I will provide prompt, prompt answer to any question posed uh, there in a matter of day. Wow, that's a pretty big guarantee. So let's not, I, I'm, I'm not planning to give out your direct phone number. So let's stick with LinkedIn. Yes. And then if you want to talk to them by phone thereafter, you're certainly welcome to. All right, I got to finish up with the lightning round. This is where I ask you some questions. They're lightning because I'm just looking for some bulleted answers not longer, not long answers, just a little bit about you. Get to know Namek here, and then we'll finish up with would you rather. I'll explain that in a minute. All right, so here's the lightning round. First question I have for you is um, what's behind all this passion you have? You have more energy than anybody I know of. What's behind it? <laughs> oh, That's a hard one. I mean, I, I guess, you know, um, well, this, is one, this one is a hard one. You know, I, I don't want to, uh, how would I say... It's supposed to be like bullet responses, and I know it's tough. That's that's a, like an open-ended question. You probably want you could give her dissertation on it. But what's behind all that passion? I believe it's a. I believe it is reaction that I get from people I engage with. So if I engage with a with a customer, and I see that we are succeeding together, that kind of feeds me big time. Or if I work on, with, on, on a technical career of uh, some of my colleagues and I see they are, they are you know, succeeding and they are growing, I mean, that, that fills me with such a joy and energy for further kind of engagement that uh, it's just, just unbelievable. So I believe it's a, basically a reaction to 
the the uh, to the a level of passion that you put originally in, and it's just a kind of feedback that is feeding up more and more and more. I don't know when it's going to stop. Probably, you know, with me dropping dead or something like that. But basically, <laughs> basically, that, let's hope that's not soon. No, no. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so, what's your, what's your been been your favorite time in the industry thus far? What's been the most exciting? I would say now. I, I, I really do believe. I, I, I keep. I keep saying everybody. I keep saying to my children, for example. I'm really sorry. I no. I'm not like a you know. <laughs> okay, I have to disclose it now. I'm really sorry. I'm not like a thirty years younger. I, I'm. I'm, <laughs> I'm really sorry about that because age is just a number, my friend. You're young. Yes, yes. However, you know, sometimes my body reminds me. So, but anyway, I would, I would say I would say this is. Uh, I would really like to to have another another 30 year run because it's it just fantastic what's going on around there. If there is any, I was going to say, if you ask you if you had any regrets, but I think your regrets of being, not being 30 years younger, we'll, we'll keep it with that. If you yes. could interview anyone from your life, living or dead, who would it be? Anyone you can interview. You can get an interview just like we're doing now with anyone living or dead, who would be top of the list? Roger Waters from Pink Floyd. <laughs> really? Yes. Why? You, I, all right. I got you. Give me Roger Waters. Give me a little bit of elaboration on that. Uh, it, you know, I, I, I'm coming from that uh, from that era uh, of, uh, you know, when Pink Floyd was uh, setting the, the, they are extremely innovative band, you know, and I was kind of a big fan of that band. I was actually, you know, uh, playing in a band. Mm -hmm. uh, and I like that kind of music most of all. And then after that, I really like uh, Roger Waters and his also um, kind of social engagement. I like how he thinks. I like how he behaves. Um, he's, he's my hero. So what, what did you play in a band? Did you sing? Did you play an instrument? Tell me yes, more. Yes, I, I played bass guitar. And, you know, I, I sang uh, like a, a background vocals. So basically, I was really in a secondary guy, you know. I honestly said, I, I started playing the, the, the lead guitar, but then somebody came in and he was better. So they degraded me to bass. <laughs> <laughs> so you got pushed to second. Huh? You, got, you say, hey, you better learn bass. That, but you yeah, can play. That, that, that's exactly. And that happened, by the way, with the lead vocal as well. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, at least you knew you did you accept that? I guess you did because you started playing bass. Yes, I did and I enjoyed it. Actually, I, so, I I really enjoyed it. So did you ever do any gigs or was it just a garage band or what? Oh, no, we, we, we played. I mean, we played even professionally. I got paid for that. Uh, nice. However, we, we, we did not uh, publish anything. We, we were not so, uh, you know. Was it a cover band then? It was just doing covers, yes, or did you have exactly, exactly cover band, cover band? So you can play lead and you can play bass then. Uh, well, yeah, I, I was just able to... not well. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so what do you do in your free time? Do you do you, do you play bass in your free time? Do you still do it, or do you do what? What's your favorite thing to do in your free time? Yeah, yeah. Actually, you know, it's pretty hard and boring to play bass alone. Uh, but so I don't. <laughs> I don't. I don't do that anymore. I I, I listen to music a lot, and I um, I like to watch movies. I'm movie freak. I, I really like the movies, um, uh, particularly the movies uh, of Thai, not not the blockbusters, 
but uh, you know, Coin Brothers are for me, for example, absolutely the best guys. Or Woody Allen. Uh, I know he's not popular now nowadays anymore, but from a from a, a art that he produced, it's just really fantastic. So I'm going to see if you. I know the answer to this question, but I'm going to ask it again since you brought up movies, uh, and see if you give me the same answer. What is your favorite movie or a movie you say, look, this is the movie you have to watch, listeners? Big Lebowski. <laughs> yeah, you're right on. You hit it twice. Why is yeah. that your favorite movie? You just love that movie or what? I love that movie. I watched it probably 30, 40 times. I'm just a freak <laughs> of that movie. I, I, I just can't stop laughing. It's just fantastic. All right. I still haven't watched it. So I, shame shame on me. I got to watch it. I've watched next like time, just like. Next time I see you, I'm going to drag you somewhere. We will watch it together. So I, I, you, you, need, you need the guidance there. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. A last question. And then I got to do what you rather. And that's really quick. But any good books you recommend? Uh, well, actually, you know, I'm uh, because I'm uh, I, my mother tongue is Bosnian. Um, I, I read the lots of those kind of local uh, Bosnian books and, and authors. Um, but, you know, if, if you would ask me uh, what is the the latest one that I actually read was was not bad. It was actually from uh, this Yuval Harari. Yeah, uh, Yuval uh, Harari. Yeah, not bad. It's actually good. I I don't think there is anything revolutionary in there, but he he's he's articulating it in such a fantastic way that I believe that for a broader public, it's pretty good. Um, and then I I like the the the, the biographies and autobiographies like uh, you know from Clapton or or, or Leonard Cohen and and these folks. Man, you're really a music guy. More of a music guy than I even thought. Yes, I am. <laughs> yes. So I, I what was um, I think Sapiens was written yes. by Yoval and Noah Harari. Yes. I thought it was really good, really well yes. done. That's one I would recommend as well. Yes, yes, yes. All right. So here's what we're going to finish up real quick with Would You Rather. I don't know if you know this. In the U.S., Namik is in Germany, everybody that's listening. He's in Bublin. And my kids do a would you rather. In other words, you put somebody on the spot and you ask them this or that. You say, hey, you got two choices. Which one are you going to pick? And you can't sit on the fence. You got to pick one. Right? All right? I don't like how this I don't like how this starts. (laughs) All right. Here we go. It's only a few questions, just to keep it honest here. Uh, German beer or German wine? German wine. Really? Over the German beer. Absolutely. Okay. German Rhine Riesling is one of the best wines in the world. All right. Then Riesling. you owe me one next time. I'm, when I'm there, you owe yes. me one. White Riesling. Guys, All try right. that. Best. Bratwurst or currywurst? Uh, none of them. <laughs> <laughs> well, usually I'll, I make you have to choose one, but that's all right. Why? You don't like either of them? Because I'm that's like a German staple. It's a German staple. Come on. I, I know, but I'm pescatarian. I, I I just eat fish and vegetables, so I don't eat that. Oh, good point. What do you think is more popular? Bro, every time I'm there, it's currywurst. Yeah, and I, have currywurst. No, I have no freaking idea why. I, I don't know. <laughs> but you, all right, all right. <laughs> I th- you know, currywurst just it came in. I was looking at this not long ago, came into Germany like in 1949 or something. It was brought in. It's a pork sausage. 
I, yeah. I, it's not, I'm not that much. I'd rather go with the bratwurst. That's me. Anyway, I'm, I got German. Uh, uh, my my grandmother was German, so ah, I know okay. about this. So you have you should you should have here come here. It's an epicenter of, of all these wurst. Well, I've been there many times. Usually, I get the curry wurst for some reason. And I, I I it's like not my favorite, but I like the bratwurst. All right, I like, October I like Indian, Indian curry most vegetables. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Oktoberfest. Or any other time of the year in Germany. In other words, is Oktoberfest the best best part of the year or not? Absolutely not. <laughs> it's it's busy. It's smelly. It's not at all. <laughs> I would suggest you, you know, to come like May is excellent in Germany and not And by the way, München is of course a beautiful city, so you can go there. But there are many other places that that uh, Germany is one of the really beautiful countries. Absolutely beautiful countries wherever you go. Southern, South, Rhine Valley, you know, the, the, the Alps. It's it's beautiful country. But I would say May is probably the best. You know, I've been to Germany many times, and it seems like I'm always in October. Okay. And, and you know, the first time I went, I didn't realize. I thought, October, great. I'm finally going to get a cross off my bucket list to be in an Oktoberfest. But no, it's late September to the, the first Sunday, I think, in October. And I was like, "What the hell?" It, I guess it's to celebrate the wedding. What two hundred years ago, when the Bavaria's uh, crown prince was getting married two hundred years ago, like around eighteen ten or something. So it's yeah. celebrating that the wedding wedding coming up in October. So I missed it, I, and I seem to miss it all the time. I don't know why. Terrible. <laughs> okay. Yes, I agree. All right, data or AI? Ah, uh, data. I would have been disappointed if you would have picked data. You're a data guy, <laughs> data. Right. because there is no, there is no, there is no AI without data. Good, 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 <laughs> good point. I'm with you. iOS or Android? Uh, iOS. MacBook or ThinkPad? Uh, MacBook or ThinkPad? Uh, MacBook. All right. Brexit or remaining within the U EU? Absolutely, the later. <laughs> Absolutely. The, 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 Absolutely. First one, the first one is madness. <laughs> we can have a whole podcast on that. All right. Very good. All yes, right. Don't get me started on that one because you know, <laughs> that can, I figured that can, that can, there's that can, a reason I asked. Actually, that, uh, can, that can get me out of IBM. I mean, what kind of what I can say there. I so. know. I don't want it. We don't. You know, I, I I had some other political questions, but I figured I'd stop right there. All right, soccer or hockey? Oh, soccer, hundred <laughs> percent. So look, I didn't know that hockey was so popular in Germany. I was looking up the the top ten sports, and actually, it was soccer or football, yeah. golf, hockey, basketball, Formula One, and then it went on down. Golf is like number two. Does that that sit with you? Does that sound right? Oh. Sounds okay, but I'm I'm surprised that there is no like an automotive sport like a, you know racing and so on. It was yeah, it was it was fifth on the list. Oh, okay. Formula One. Interesting, but I'm not surprised that soccer or or football is first. That uh, absolutely, I mean, Germany is a powerhouse as far as football is concerned. All right, <laughs> an easy one: DB2Z or DB2 distributed. Uh, well, that, that's not fair, really. I mean, this is. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> hey, I, I, I don't intend to be fair on this podcast. All right, he's taking Z because he loves Z. No, that's no, okay. I, I, I just say DB2. I know, I know. That's the right answer. That's fine. But I know you love Z. Do you not love Z? 
I do love Z. What can I say? Yes. Yes. All right. Last question. Bublingen or Croatia? Bublingen. That surprises me. Most people don't know the list. Uh, uh, Namik has a flat in Croatia that he always tells me about that looks over the That's water. That's and correct. you would still take you you still take Bublingen. Yes, because somehow I now grow to feel home here. <laughs> of course. Hey, yeah. Namik, thank you for being on the podcast. This has been great. It's been easy, easy talking to you, of course, as I knew it would be. All I had to do is tack, uh, tap into that uh, passion, and there we go. We take off like a rocket. So thank you so much. You provide a lot of insight and, and uh, a lot of energy. Thank I appreciate you. you being here. Thank you, Al. You you've been you know excellent in in uh, you know pulling out uh, <laughs> the, <laughs> the right thing. Okay, thank you, thank you, Al. All right, thank you. Talk to everybody next time. Again, if I could remind you, please give us feedback. We like to hear from it or like to hear from you. Uh, and directly, you can you can send us a note to Al Martin Talks Data at gmail.com. We do track it. We do take action. Thank you, and talk to you next time. Thanks for listening to the Making Data Simple podcast, where we make data fun. Be sure to visit ibmbigdatahub.com forward slash podcast to access the show notes and uncover even more great episodes. Remember, the views expressed here are those of the host and its guests and do not necessarily represent the views of IBM. Until next time, over and out. So uh, 